Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. As our summer continues on here at Summer at Faith, man, it has been an amazing summer. How many of you are enjoying this series on the book of Ephesians and are enjoying it? Good. If none of you clapped, it was going to be an awkward situation, but that's okay. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 5 today in Ephesians, so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to chapter 5. And as we finished up last week in chapter 4, we are talking about what it means to become new in Jesus, how our hearts desires should change and our minds should change. And as Paul closed chapter four, he talked about how we should be loving to one another and respect one another and, and go out of our way for one another. And then he continues this thought into chapter five. And I believe as, as we read through these verses uh, in chapter five, we see that there are two things that Paul starts to challenge us with to do. One of it is to walk in a certain way and one is to live in a certain way. And I believe that both are different. Because we can walk in one way, and we can pursue in one way, but we got to make sure that when we walk, we're also living in the way that we walk. And so as Paul starts to open this up, he starts to open up a lot about what does it mean to love people. And he starts out by just really looking at what is the greatest love, and that is the love of God. And so one of the things is we want to walk in love. How do we walk in love is how Paul opens Ephesians chapter 5. So I want you to just turn with me. Ephesians chapter 5. It's here on the screen if you need. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children. So he just opens with this pretty simple statement that we need to just follow God's example. Therefore. And therefores are always important because you always want to wonder, what are they there for? I heard a pastor say that once and it kind of stuck with me. About what, whenever there's a therefore, we should always wonder why is there a therefore. And the reason is because he says, as dearly loved children, that we need to be reminded that we are loved by God as his dear children. Which means if we're going to walk with love and we're going to walk in love, then we should be walking with the love of a father. Or we should love like a father. That should be your first point in your notes there. That we walk that way. That our lives should be reflectant of God's love upon others. When we love like God loves, we love like a father loves. My wife and I, uh, we're ha I'm about to become a father and we're super excited about that. And it's a whole new reality when you become a father. And that love that you have and all of a sudden the things that you want to do. And, and what you find a lot of times is the love of a father is a very practical love. It's a love that is, I want to provide, I want to take care of, I want to meet, I want to see, I want to be there, I want to fix. Gentlemen, how many of us just love to fix things? Ladies, how many times do you wish we didn't just fix things? I'm just saying, all right. But as we love, we want to be practical. We want to make sure that all the needs are taken care of. And that's the very love of God that there is. When we love with the love of God, we should be doing practical ministry things or practical mercy or practical things that can be for people, which means it can be as simple as caring for orphans and widows, practicing hospitality. Here's the thing. No one should ever come to church and feel like they don't know anyone. 
Because when we come to church, and, we, and if we remember, even when Paul wrote these, the church back in those days was not about a large building and, and I'd come and I attend and I leave. It was about they were the ones that were so different from the rest of the culture. Culture did not believe they were believing in the right way. When they came together, they anticipated and they wanted to come together because they encouraged, walked with, and loved one another. And when they came together, if you were new and you came in the room and you said, I am a believer of Jesus, people were excited that you were there because they were excited to walk through life with you. We can't lose that love like a father when people walk into this room and we say, oh great, you're here. Here's what I believe. There are no attenders at Faith Bible Chapel, only honored guests. Every person is an honored person here. Every person is loved by God. And so if we're going to love like God, if we're going to take that example and we're going to see people as children of God, then we should look at them and say, I am so excited you came here today. I don't know your story. I don't know your walk. I don't know where you're at in life. But I'm just excited you're here because I love like a father, which is a come in and I accept you, I love you, and I want to take care of you. And sometimes those practical means doesn't mean that we just need to just give money or say do this. We want to be a church that is the hands and feet of God, which is why Pastor Jason says it all the time. Every member is a minister. Every single one of you. I'm telling you right now, you have the power and authority. You are blessed. Whatever you need to hear to go and do the work of God for other people in this church. If you feel like God tells you to pray for someone, pray for them. God tells you to go over and give them a hug, go give them a hug. You know, the Jesus side hug, all right? But if, you, if God calls you to do something else, do it. Because we want you to be the hands and feet. This should be a place that we celebrate coming together, not just attend and call it a day. And so when we love like the Father, we follow after that and chase it. But then he continues on in verse 2, and he starts to talk about the next piece. And he says, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When we walk in love, we should love like the Father, but we also have to do the very next thing. This is number two. You should love like the Son. Love comes with sacrifice. When you love someone, you sacrifice. I'm going to speak to anyone that has ever been in love. When you love someone, have you ever gone and done something that you would never want to do, but you did it because you loved the person? You ever gone to a movie you really didn't want to see? You ever gone shopping for hours on end and you didn't want to do that? That's my poor wife. I like to go shopping. <laughs> when we do things, we do it at a sacrifice because we love the person. Have you ever done something dumb for the sake of love? Can you ever think back when you were loving or pursuing the person that you love or, or a friend or a close family member and you just did the dumbest thing and you're like, I don't know why I did it. And maybe a couple of the wives are like, I don't know why you did it either. But you've never done something, I've done it. You do it because you just love them. Are we taking that same kind of love and looking at the people in the church and saying, I would sacrifice for you to know the love of God, the love of a son, the love of Jesus? Is there a sacrifice you're willing to give, your time, your, your personal bubble? I can tell you this, I love preaching up here because I can usually tell who's been around because all of you tend to sit in the same seat. I'll be like, oh, that family's on vacation. Hey, Brenda, how are you? See? 
That family's been on vacation. That family's been here all day. The, oh, they're not in their same seat. Did something happen? Listen, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying that to call anyone out. Here's what I'm saying. Don't get too comfortable with your seat. Get comfortable with Jesus. And so when I'm uncomfortable in my seat, that's fine because sit in a new seat to find a new person to intervene in someone's life, to tell them about Jesus so that they experience the love of the Son. And I'll tell you what, any time that my wife and I have ever sacrificed for the sake of Jesus, any time that we have ever done something for the sake of him, we have never regretted it. We have never gone back and been like, well, that was a waste of an hour. I walk away and go, that was a a great time. That was awesome. Or if we've given up financially for it, I can tell you this, any time that I've ever sacrificed for God, whether it's my time, whether it's my money, whether it's my patience, whatever it is, I've never regretted it, and I've always found a blessing in it versus a cost. And here's what I can tell you. We are looking for blessings. I'm not worried about cost. So let's not worry about what it costs us. Let's worry about wondering whether or not, like we said last week, are we going to make sure that heaven is empty, or heaven is empty, not heaven, hell is empty, and heaven is full. Wow, that could have been bad. But we want hell to be empty, and we want heaven to be full. And the way we do that is continually speak with the love of Jesus. And one of the things is we always talk about how we should love like Jesus. We say it a lot. We should all love like Jesus. Here's the thing. It is extremely difficult, and a lot of times we fail to live like Jesus. Because Jesus was, was sinless. He was blameless. So we strive for that. But when, we, when I think about living for Jesus or loving for Jesus or loving like Jesus, I think back uh, many years ago, I was a pastor in, in Southern California in a place called El Cajon, California. And I worked for a pastor named Dr. David Jeremiah. And we were walking and we were going in downtown areas and we were trying to reach those who needed Jesus. And I saw all sorts of life. I saw people from all different backgrounds, from all different races, from all different incomes, from all different things. There were single parent families. There was families that were going through a lot. And here's the thing I found. We all have different situations, but we all need the same Jesus. In this room, there are different situations. In this room, there is different life. In this room, there are things that I will never understand what you're going through. But I can tell you, we all need the same Jesus. And so every person ever walking into this room, I'm going to tell you this, you will always hear Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It's never going to stop being about Jesus. And we will always strive to live like Jesus. And so when we live like that, when we live for Jesus, when we love like that, when we go after that, we'll start to see things change. And here's the thing. When we live with love, now that we're not walking with love anymore, when we live with love, there are two things, I believe, that come into your life that you could reflect every day and change the world. The very first one is this. When you do that, when you live with love, you live with the power of love. There is power in love. As we say here, there's power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the love that each one of you have. And that power is ridiculously powerful. And we have done, like I said earlier, ridiculous things for love. I always think about when I think about the power of love, I think about moms and dads and parents. When you have someone that you really love and something happens to your child, the whole world changes and you are squared in on that child and you're like, I will do whatever it takes 
to make sure that that child is taken care of. I will flip a car. I will run someone over. I will do whatever it takes. That is the power of that love that is inside of each one of us. Now, what if that power was what we directed to the rest of the world and said, I will go to whatever ends to make sure you understand the power of Jesus? That that became part of our life, that we lived with the power of love, that we became so rambunctious, so loud, so extravagant in the way that we wanted people to know Jesus, that they would see you coming, they'd be like, oh, here comes that weird Jesus person. Listen, I'd rather be weird for Jesus than be not be known at all. And that's the goal, and that's the power that we have in us. But here's the thing that comes with power. It's an amazing thing, and we see it in 2 Corinthians 5, when it says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you ever need an example of the power of love, here is a man that was sinless and became sin so that we could have freedom. There is power in the love of God. And that's the power that we live with. That's the power that we walk with. That's the power that's in each, inside of each one of you. That's the power that every person in the world needs to know. And are we motivated to live out that power? But with that power, I believe, comes the second piece. It comes with the pattern of love. It is one thing to have power. You can be strong. You can be mightiful. You can do all things, but you have to have a pattern of love in your life. Any of you ever known an extremely nice person all the time, and you're like, how are they nice all the time? Do you ever have a bad day? And we tend to look, and we look at them and go, wow, I want to be like that. Here's the thing. They have a pattern of being nice. Do people look at you and say, you have a pattern of love? That it can go wrong, but there's mercy. That it could be frustrating, but there's patience. Do they see the patterns in your life of love? I have a friend, when my wife and I lived in Israel, I had a friend who every single Friday for 15 years, without missing so far, he's bought his wife flowers on Friday. (laughs) A lot of ladies just went, once a month maybe, anything? Every Friday. And it wasn't about the flowers for her. She was like, he could bring me the worst flowers in the world, but it was the pattern that every week he was there. Every week he did it. And he didn't just do it because he had to. He did it because he loved me. We need to have patterns in our life that share the love of God and the love of Jesus with everyone. That patience, that kindness, all that Jesus has given us, that new life. Do we have those patterns in our marriages? Do we have those patterns with our kids? Do we have those patterns with our neighbors? Do we have those patterns with the people in our workplaces? Do you have the patterns of love? Because what will happen is what we think is a pattern that we do on occasion, people start to think it is our everyday life. I want people to think that every day, and I want them to know every day that I love Jesus. And I'm gonna have my bad days, I'm going to have the days where I don't feel it, and we all have them. But let's make sure that we have continual patterns in our life that reflect love. Because when we walk in love, it should be a part of our everyday life. And we're going to struggle, and we're going to try. But the thing is, is we have to remember that throughout Scripture, there are so many places where it talks about where we should love others, how we love our neighbors, the greatest sacrifice, how we do this. How we, there are so many patterns that Jesus talks about. 
Are those patterns the patterns that you have? And one of the things that I love to see at this church is I've been going to this church since I was about 19, 20 years old. I'm 36 now. It's been 16 years that I've been a part of this church. And I've seen some amazing things at this church. And I thought about how great it is that we have a multi-generational church because I wanted to just, I was reading some stats the other day from the Pew Research Group about generations. And there are fathers and mothers of this church and there are sons and daughters of this church. And here's the thing that I've realized. We talk about a lot of times the millennial generation. And I can tell you, I'm a millennial. And I'm not going to say anything bad about any generations. I don't want you to think I'm going that way. But there's some things I thought were very interesting that we should talk about. That millennials were born between 1980 and 1999. Which means it's people between the ages of about 36, 37 to about 19, 20 years old right now. And here's the thing with that. Right now, millennials, the millennial generation makes up 35% of the American workforce. It is the largest workforce generation in the United States right now. They predict that in 2019 that the millennial generation will overtake the baby boomers as the largest represented generation in the United States of America. Here's what I want to tell you. That generation is here. And here's what I want to say. That generation is going to do great things. But here's what I want to also say. Mothers and fathers of this church, thank you. We stand in these rooms today. We get to do what we get to do today because of the sacrifice, the prayers, and all that you have done for this church. We will never be here without you. And I want to say thank you for what you've done for this church. And to the sons and daughters of this church that are the ones that are now the millennial generation are stepping into this place, we need you just as much as we need the fathers and the mothers. We need people who are ambitious. We need people who want to see life change. We need people who want to go after things and make a difference. And we need you just as much as we need the fathers and mothers. And so here's the thing with our church. There should not be ever a, a division a disunity between generations because the patterns of generations are the patterns that they are taught. And so there should never be a thing where we look at a generation and say, oh, because they're that generation, they're this way, or because they're that generation, they're this way. It doesn't matter the generations. Our patterns should be from generation to generation. It's Jesus to Jesus to Jesus. And so that is what we want to chase after. And here's my thought as well. My days are numbered. I'm going to be old soon. I'm having those moments. I've reached that moment where I hang out with 18, 19, 17-year-olds, and I say something, and they're like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And I'm like, yep, <laughs> reached it. I'm that guy. I'm not young anymore. But I can tell you this. I believe the generation behind me is one of the greatest generations to come, and I believe they're going to do great things. And I want to inspire, make room, and empower the next generation to carry on this church because this church won't, doesn't last for one generation. It's going to last for many generations. That's because each generation looks at it and goes, I just want you to know Jesus. Next generation, I just want you to know Jesus. Next generation, I just want you to know Jesus. So can we, can we unify as a church and say it's not about generation, it's not about age, it's not about preference, it's just about Jesus. And that is our heart to see from generation to generation. So those are the patterns of love that we want to strive for in our lives. But as we walk in the patterns of love and we, walk, and we live in the patterns of love, we also have light that we can give. And so the next thing is we can walk in light. We're going to get to this verse in a second, but in Ephesians 5.8, it talks about that we go from darkness into light. 
that we live with the light of Jesus in our lives and that we should strive to see those lights shine throughout the world. So one of the things is in Ephesians 5, 3 through 4, it says this, or 3 through 5, excuse me, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual morality or any kind of impurity, of greed, because these are, the improper, are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. When he speaks this scripture, when this starts to come out, when we talk about this, this is that, that move in the light. That when we walk in the light, that it will start to change our lives. And here's the first thing that light will start to do. Number one in your notes. The light changes our actions. When the light of Jesus comes into us, we talked about a little bit last week about becoming new. When the light of the Lord comes into us, it should change our actions. We should run from the things of this world. We should try and stay away from those things. And so when we live and walk in the light, we should walk with the light that changes our actions. Our actions should not be the change. It also is that we move from unholy to pure in God's eyes when we walk in the light. And so when it changes our actions, it can do amazing things. And I'll, I'll give you a story. It's not the most spiritual story, but it's a good story. My wife and I, where we live right now, we have a bunch of coyotes around and we have a dog. And so every time we let the dog out, I've got to check and see if there's any coyotes out. So we have a little flashlight next to the door. And so every once in a while, we open the door, we shine the light, and we see, oh, is there any coyotes? And we let her out. Well, one time I shine them and six little beady eyes are like 100 feet away. But here's the thing about light. As much as light changes our action, light also changes the action of darkness. When I shine that light, they stopped. When I shined it again, they backed up. When I shined it again, they left. When we shine light into darkness, we push away the attacks of the enemy trying to take something. So when we walk in light, it changes our actions, but we also change the actions of darkness that when we step into those places and say, listen, you're not going to come into my family. You're not going to come into my marriage. You're not going to come into my kids. You're not coming in my home. You're not coming in my school. You're not coming in my workplace. You shine a light, and the enemy says, I don't want to be in the lights. So when we change our actions and shine a light, we change the actions of darkness. And we take authority and we take power and we can make a difference. It also says in Ephesians 5, we're going to jump down a little bit, 15 and 17, it says, but be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity because these days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the, war, the Lord's will is. When we let the light come into our life and we start to change our actions, the second thing it does is the light changes our direction. We move from unwise to wise. We move from foolish to unfoolish. We move away from those things. It changes our direction. So light changes our actions. It changes the lights, the, the darkness's movements. It changes our direction. And so we start to walk in a way that we've never walked before, and light just exudes out of us. Our light, our influence should be the things of Jesus. 
We should have that love, and those patterns of love should also dictate our directions. That it gives us even patience in our family, patience with our marriages, patience with our friends. It gives us all of these things because we always want to do this. We always want to move into the wisdom of God. So let the light of God change your direction. I can tell you in my life, if I didn't have God, I would not be in a good place. But with Jesus, I love everything I get to do. There are tough days, there are frustrating days, but I would never change anything that I've ever experienced in the name of Jesus for anything. And that's what the light we want to walk in. But when we walk in light, we also need to do the next thing, which is we need to live in light or live with light. And this is the piece I think is one of the most powerful pieces. It's Ephesians 5, verse 8, and it says this, For you were once darkness, but now... Your light in the Lord. Live as children of light. This verse, I think, speaks such much, so much power that we should be excited about what it says because this is what I believe it says, and this is point number one under this. Display light by living out your identity. Your identity is a child of God. Your identity is a child of light. Live out your identity. If you're ever wondering, God, what have you created me to do? Yours to be a child of light. God, I'm struggling and I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Be a child of the light. Chase after the light. Live out the identity that God has given you. And I tell you, it's going to bring you such strength. It's going to give you such passion. It's going to give you so much that you can walk in and just say, I want to be the child of light. I want to live out that identity. That identity is a gift from God. Again, all the way back in that, that power of love. He gave his son a sinless man, a gift to us so that we can be called children of light. Does that make sense to you? He gave up his son so that all of humanity could be his children. That's the light that we're going to walk in. That's the light that we're going to have, and that's what should excite us. Every morning we should wake up and be like, I'm a child of light. There is nothing that can come against me. I will conquer. I will overcome because I am a child of light. And when I shine my light, darkness flees. When I shine my light, sickness leaves. When I shine my light, relationships are made whole. Shine your light. Live out your identity of who Jesus has made you. As we continue on, it also says this in Ephesians 5, 13 and 14, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. I love this verse because it's, it, it, it's always something I love in Scripture. What am I supposed to learn and what am I supposed to do with it? We've learned that we have the identity to be the children of light and that we are to be the light to the world. So what are we supposed to do with it? It's number two. It's this, display light to expose and transform the darkness. Your life is to be a child of God and to be a child of light and then go out into the world and expose and transform the darkness. And that darkness is everywhere. That darkness is throughout the world. And here's what I want you to say. You, are, like the song we sung earlier, you are unstoppable when you are a child of God. The light is in you, and you can shine the light upon anywhere you go. Every marriage around you, every workplace, every friend, you can shine the light, and you can expose the darkness. But at the same time, there is power inside of you that if there is something in your life that is dark right now, that you have hidden, 
that you have changed, that you don't think God knows about, God wants to shine a light on that and set you free. He wants to shine a light on that and let you live a life that you didn't think you could experience. He wants to shine a light on that and let you experience a joy that you've never felt before. Your life has the ability to be a powerful, high-intensity beam of light that can light up a room every time that you walk in. And you've got to let him expose the things in your life. I'm going to ask the worship team to make their way on out right now, and we're going to continue together. And here's the thing. Don't think it's over. Don't think it's ended. Don't think you don't have enough. You have all the light in the world inside of you. And you can walk in strength. We have an unstoppable, unbelievable, super powerful, unchanging God. And he's put love in your life. He's put light in your life. He's put everything that you need into your life. And you can do all those things through Christ who strengthens you. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.